Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. CNN chairman Chris Licht, or someone leaking on his behalf to a reporter from CNBC, has inadvertently admitted that the network did pack the live crowd at the Trump town hall with Trump supporters, and Licht, or a colleague, inadvertently also admitted he and CNN lied about who was going to be in that audience. They have thus managed to reignite the tire fire just when it seemed to be dying down to just a putrid smolder. And on the eve of CNN's annual advertising presentation, no less. And Licht has reportedly boasted, quote, history will look kindly on the network's decision to give Trump an hour of uninterrupted propaganda. Let me read you three paragraphs from Alex Sherman's piece for the CNBC website. And I think it'll be obvious what the lie was and where the confession is, quote, Licht has acknowledged internally there are some things he wished the network had done differently, unquote. Well, me too. I wish the network had hired a different CEO. Sorry. Quoting again, Licht said he wished he had introduced the in-person audience to TV watchers so that viewers could better identify who they were. CNBC quotes its sources familiar with his thinking. The crowd was a main character in the event as many Trump supporters cheered his responses and jeered CNN host Caitlin Collins when she challenged him. Licht would have liked to openly question the crowd before the town hall began so the TV audience could better understand 
who they were and why they were supporting Trump. From the day this Chernobyl was announced, CNN announced, announced again and reiterated and said afterwards that the crowd was to be 400 Republican and independent voters who were planning on voting in the state's Republican primary next February. The need to, quote, better identify who they were and better understand who they were could not have been an issue. We were supposed to have already known who they were. They were presented as some sort of cross-section of Republicans in New Hampshire. All of CNN's rationalizations in advance of the telecast a week ago tonight were defensive but specific. The idea that this idiot licked now regrets not introducing them during the broadcast so viewers could better understand why they were supporting Trump confirms in big, glowing, red capital letters that the audience members were supporting Trump. Licht and CNN just confessed that the crowd CNN picked was not representative of the four out of ten New Hampshire Republicans who do not support Trump, that it was a room full of almost nothing but Trump supporters. And CNN and Licht lied about that. And everybody on CNN who did not acknowledge that fact before the town hall or after it was an accessory before or after the fact to this fundamental, unforgivable dishonesty. Licked or whoever leaked this on his behalf, and this has all the earmarks of a cable network public relations department cleanup operation, never stopped to think that they were admitting that the audience was stacked that the crowd was full of Trump plants. Furthermore, they never stopped to think that saying that, in retrospect, they should have talked to some of the room full of Trump cultists before they started booing Caitlyn Collins and before Trump started to egg them on, supports the accusations by the Republican governor of New Hampshire, Chris Sununu, and the former Republican governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie, that virtually everybody they saw in that studio at St. Anselm's College was a Trump supporter that they recognized by sight. This licked or licked adjacent leak also supports the accusation by Chris Christie that CNN let Trump choose who would be in the crowd. In one fell swoop, CNN has just admitted it was an almost entirely pro-Trump crowd and they should not have deceived the viewers into thinking anything else, but that they did. And licked wishes that they had not done that. Lie to the viewers to the nation. This elevates this disaster from mere television and journalistic malfeasance into a literal kind of deception, a three-card Monty game in which a bluntly, nakedly, unforgivably biased, slanted, fully loaded fascist political rally was televised by a network whose executives and announcers lied and told America it was some kind of news or public events broadcast. Nobody is going to do this. But frankly, given these revelations, these accidental revelations by Chris Licht or whoever was leaking on his behalf, this CNBC story turns the disaster into something that the Senate Commerce Committee should conduct a hearing into and the Department of Justice should investigate. This is no longer just journalistic prostitution. It is quite literally commercial fraud and people should be grilled over it and maybe be indicted over it. Again, I'm not kidding you nor myself. This will not happen. 
Chris Licht will not be indicted. Chris Licht will not be called in front of some Senate Commerce Subcommittee. But this underscores the degree to which the people now running CNN, and in particular Chris Licht, have figuratively left our planet and are now operating completely inside a fantasy land in which... No, they didn't just destroy the network's reputation. They didn't finish off Anderson Cooper's career. They didn't expose their supposed new star, Caitlin Collins, as an unpleasant lightweight. They didn't flush away even the fig leaf that no matter how badly that all has gone in the last year, especially last Wednesday, it was intended as some kind of corrective. It was a good gesture. It was some kind of restoration of journalistic balance. They illicitly loaded the audience. They eliminated dissent. They lied about it. And when caught, they said maybe they could have done better by not lying about it. And the rest of the article is about how Licht thinks that, sure, there's a bit of blowback now, but that it'll all get better and CNN will prevail in the long term. I mean, the numbers came out last night. It did win the demo ratings race last week before it sank into fourth place in a three-team league. History will look kindly, CNBC's sources claim Licht has told people both inside and outside CNN, on the network's decision to interview Trump in front of cheering supporters in a live town hall format. Paste boy, stop digging. Stop talking. You're not good at it. It is impossible to believe, even from my perspective, as somebody who's been telling you that Chris Licht was brought in to destroy CNN since I think the very first episode of this series last August, it is still impossible for me to believe that a full week after the most irredeemably disastrous programming decision in the history of cable news, CNN's chairman is continuing to find new ways to make it worse. Surely by now you would think he would have run out of extremities to metaphorically shoot himself in. Instead, Licht, or whoever leaked on his behalf to a reporter from CNBC, managed to collect all the ashes of their networks and their careers and somehow managed to light them ablaze anew. And this happens on the eve of the 2023 upfront presentation for advertisers for CNN and its parent company, Warner Bros. Discovery. If you were on your way to that event at the theater at Madison Square Garden to buy advertising on CNN and you read this piece at the CNBC website, you would instead skip the event in Madison Square Garden's theater, and instead go down the stairs under Madison Square Garden and go into Penn Station and get on a train going anywhere that would get you the F away from CNN. And all that I have quoted so far from this article is the smarter part of it. Quote, Licht and other CNN executives also pointed to direction elements CNN could have done differently, such as focusing the camera only on Collins when she tried to fight off Trump's lies about election fraud in 2020, rather than using wide shots on both Trump and Collins. That way, CNN could draw the audience's focus to the substance of the question rather than the spectacle of Trump, unquote. 
Why, sure, Chris, that was the solution to Trump lying like an out-of-control fire hose. Keep him off camera while he's lying. Instead, keep a close-up on the dead look in the host's eyes as they ran the gamut of emotions from A to B. That's the way you fight Trump's lies. Calling for camera one instead of camera three, Chris. Not, you know, deciding not to put a psychotic liar on live in primetime where virtually no fact-checking method known to man could shut him up while an audience of the cheerleaders you lied about inviting encouraged him to go in for the kill. Quote, CNN could have also graphically shown each question while Trump spoke, Licht apparently offered to the CNBC people, emphasizing his answers didn't always match the topic at hand. Yes, that's it, Chris. Exactly. That's what the thing needed last week. Better graphics. Not don't ever do something like this live. Or if you are going to do it live, you have a fact checker in a studio backstage or in another state or country and you go to the fact checker to counter Trump's lies while you shut off Trump's microphone. No, don't do that. Better graphics. Jesus H. Christ. Incidentally, the way I know that this story was not somebody near Chris Licht surreptitiously calling up this Alex Sherman fella and telling him, off the record, what Pasteboy said. The reason I know that this all came from Licht or via an intermediary with Licht's approval, the way I know they also think this went well. The way I know all this is the simple fact that deep in the piece, it switches. It goes from eh, microscopic, grudging, brain-dead mea culpa, weak, pointless, stupid, but vaguely looking like introspection and verging on regret. It goes from that to something else, which Licht has always been magnificently skilled at. Blaming other people. Quote, Licht said he wished that after the town hall, he'd had the network anchors focus on the news Trump made. See, the real problem here isn't Chris Licht's utter lack of minimal journalistic standards and morality and the decisions he made that burned CNN to the ground in 70 minutes. No, 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 no. It's the others. The others who did not do what they should have telepathically known Chris Licht wanted. The example in the CNBC story is Trump's claim that he could have settled Ukraine in 24 hours. Quote, CNN could have gone live to a reporter in Ukraine as an example, which would have reminded the audience of the network's journalistic range. Well, yes, that would have been an interesting alternate option. A stupid one, but but an alternate. What is the reaction uh, there in Kiev, Charlie, to Trump lying? Uh, tell me, you know, in between those Russian bombs dropping on your head. On the other hand, it or anything else would have reduced the time spent post-Trump rally in which Trump prostitutes like Congressman Byron Donalds got to spew his own fire hose of lies on CNN. A happenstance, by the way, which Chris Christie said was also part of Chris Licht's offer to Trump when he went in the tank to get Trump on CNN. We'll put your surrogates in the postgame show. Better graphics. Holy crap. 
So now what? If you wade through all the Chris Licht off-the-record comments praising Chris Licht, there is a frightening germ of news in there. Quote, other networks will likely follow CNN's lead in booking Trump interviews. NBC and its news networks have been in contact with many of the U.S. presidential candidates, including Trump. NBC isn't likely to do a Trump town hall, given how CNN's went, unquote. But there is the implication, as there has been for the last week, that other Trump town halls are under consideration actively inside American television networks. More town halls after that? The Titanic was not enough? You're going to launch another one? Well, where then? Fox? Newsmax? One America News? Like he hasn't already done infomercials for each in every possible format? So what networks? NBC is a no from this story. CBS for a Trump town hall? ABC on their broadcast channels? I don't think so. On their news streaming services? Trump would not give those streaming services 70 seconds, let alone 70 minutes. The terrifying thing is, if you accept this and other reporting that some executives looked at the Hinden-Trump CNN disaster and saw only the 3.3 million viewers, and that somebody is considering another live Trump town hall, and that it's not NBC or ABC or CBS or CNBC or MSNBC, and Chris Licht has all these stupid ideas about how he could have made his Trump town hall go better, that if there really is a network considering another live Nuremberg rally with Trump, if all that is true, there is only one inevitable conclusion. Quote, Licht continues to stand by the concept of the town hall, telling people both inside and outside CNN that history will look kindly on the network's decision. Well, if he really believes that, it is sadly, tragically, unavoidably true that the network that must be thinking about televising another Trump town hall is CNN. Lauren Boebert getting divorced, husband furious. God, why would you be furious about that? Marjorie Taylor, Karen Green wants to talk to the manager, all the managers. She proposed three impeachments in one day, and they asked Dianne Feinstein about her absence from the Senate, and Dianne Feinstein's answer was basically, what absence? Uh-oh. That's next. This is Countdown. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Thank you. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is Countdown with Keith Oberman. Postscripts to the news, some headlines, some updates, some snarks, some predictions. Dateline New York, a follow-up to the lawsuit against Rudy Giuliani yesterday, not the work-naked part nor the anti-Semitic part, the selling presidential pardons for $2 million apiece and splitting the dough with Trump part. Nobody seemed to notice this yesterday. I didn't. My friend since 1974, the great columnist from Philadelphia, Will Bunch, he noticed it. From the New York Times of January 17, 2021, a story about the former CIA agent John Kiriakou, who had been convicted of illegally disclosing classified information about 2012 and who gave a Trump ally $50,000 to lobby Trump for a pardon before Trump left office. There was a postscript to this, quote, Mr. Kiriakou was separately told that Mr. Trump's personal lawyer, Rudolph W. Giuliani, could help him secure a pardon for $2 million. Mr. Kiriakou rejected the offer, but an associate, fearing that Mr. Giuliani was illegally selling pardons, alerted the FBI. Uh, Special counsel's office, Mr. Smith, please. Thank you. I'll wait. Dateline Washington, as we discovered during the Trump administration, if you impeach somebody in the House, but the other party is running the Senate, your impeachment can be just a performative act, a stunt. Having said that, it is still pretty impressive. Marjorie Taylor, Barney Rubble, getting divorced from Taylor, Karen Green, announced yesterday she was introducing articles of impeachment against the FBI director, Christopher Wray, and... She introduced articles of impeachment against the U.S. attorney in the District of Columbia, Matthew Graves. And she continued to press for articles of impeachment against the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, because, well, because three performative stunts gets three times the publicity that just one will. 
Dateline Washington, something slightly more substantial in the case of Congressman George, if that is your real name, Santos. Democratic Congressman Robert Garcia of California has introduced a privileged motion to expel Santos from the House. Making it privileged means it still needs a three-quarters vote to eject Katara Ravach's alter ego. But... It has to be voted upon within two days of being introduced, and it will at least get Republicans on the record like they care, even the ones who already said he should resign. Nancy Faust, Dateline Washington reporters Benjamin Oreskes of the L.A. Times and Jim Newell of Slate say they ran into Senator Dianne Feinstein after she voted yesterday at the Capitol. I'll just read a combination of their two stories. Quote, when a fellow reporter asked her what the response from her colleagues had been like since her return, the conversation took an odd turn. Quote, what have I heard about what, she asked. About your return, the reporter replied. I haven't been gone, she said. You should follow the, I haven't been gone, I've been working. When asked whether she meant that she'd been working from home, she turned feisty. No, I've been here. I've been voting, she said. Please, you either know or don't know. Um... So Senator Feinstein thinks she's been in Washington the last three months. And when she got mad with two reporters for questioning about about that, the phrase that she used to reply to them was, you either know or don't know. Truer words have never been spoken. Still, oh boy. Oh boy. Coming up, a little more on Licked and CNN and Deja Vu all over again. 20 years ago, another cable news outlet suddenly decided to go hard right. That did not go well. MSNBC and the day it fired, Michael Savage. And pretty much everybody in charge. First, the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. The bronze... South Carolina Congresswoman Nancy Mace. Like the old Bob and Ray character who announced he was not going to make the mistake most political candidates did. He was going for the nomination of both parties. Mace just blah, blah, blah about the Bull Durham investigation and then said, I am the furthest thing from a Trump shill, but what the FBI did to him is effed. Yeah, last February, after he endorsed her primary opponent, Mace flew to New York and stood outside Trump Tower and videoed herself pledging fealty to the Fuhrer. 
She is, in fact, the definition of a Trump shill. The runner-up, Ron DeSantis, who has joined the chorus insisting that New York's alleged subway strangler, Daniel Penny, is in fact the real victim here, after he put a disturbed man in a chokehold for 15 minutes until the man died, when he simply could have restrained him or subdued him until the police came, like a normal person and not a potential murderer. DeSantis has called Penny, quote, a good Samaritan. And here's a reminder, anybody, including Ron DeSantis, who calls him a good Samaritan has never read a Bible in their life because in the story in there about the good Samaritan, spoiler alert, the good Samaritan doesn't kill anybody. But our winner, Jason Bobert, husband of the congresswoman and former McDonald's night manager, it was revealed yesterday she has filed for divorce from him They met when she was 16, and he was just about to be arrested for exposing himself to two other young women in a bowling alley. Apparently, this is the way of all congressional Karens. The Taylor Greens are getting divorced, too, as I mentioned. The punchline here is Jason Boebert was reported to be furious when he was served with her divorce papers. Good God, why? Jason, in memory of the marriage, flags and fly zippers will be lowered to half-staff Bobert. Today's worst person, and another word that starts with P in the world! Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Thank <laughs> you.
Still ahead on Countdown, let's circle back to Chris Licht's insistence as recently as yesterday that history will look kindly on his career-ending, network-ending decision to let Trump take the wheel a week ago tonight in the now immortally infamous Trump Town Hall. Well, it won't. And I know this because what Licht is trying to do, I've already lived through this once 20 years ago when MSNBC tried to swerve hard right. It centered on a skunk named Michael Savage And no, history did not look kindly on it. The history of it, in fact, was everybody got fired except me. First, once again, every dog has its day. Shiloh was thrown from a car in Atlanta. Nine-month-old puppy. Run-of-the-mill mutt. Soulful eyes, big ears. And now a broken jaw. Because somebody threw him from a car. Rescue Dogs Rock is fundraising for the surgery via Giving Grid. You can find Shiloh there on Giving Grid or on my Twitter feeds. Your donations and retweets are humbly solicited. I thank you, and Shiloh thanks you. repeat my point. This is no boating accident. The reason Glicht is in charge of CNN is virtually every mainstream media organization in this country has already had the meeting they had at CNN. Let's discuss how, if America goes fully fascist in 2025 or earlier, we can still protect this company's profits. I say this not merely because I know most of the people running the mainstream media organizations, but because These conversations have already happened, and they happened long ago. Largely because the first not-white-guy president was elected just seven years and two months after 9-11. We forget how seriously and terrifyingly we already have teetered on the edge of full-fledged fascism here after the attacks on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. 9-11 happened between my two tenures at MSNBC, but I returned a year and a half after it happened. And by then, the place I went back to work had already hired a sort of Alex Jones prototype radio host named Michael Savage, and it was slowly trying to build him into the host of a weeknight show. Savage was a homophobe, plus an equal opportunity bigot. His real name was Michael Weiner, and all you need to know about him is that he was a Weiner who pretended he was a savage. What happened to him when they tried to stick him into prime time and what he said that led to his firing and the blowing up of the let's out Fox Fox News plan of the then NBC chairman and CEO Bob Wright is a great story I will relish telling you in a moment. But first, a little context to this. MSNBC and Fox News launched within weeks of each other in 1996 and for a while In fact, until I left MSNBC in December 1998, we were ahead of Fox in many time periods, though CNN crushed us both. Then Fox ascended, then came 9-11, and then Bob Wright thought he saw his opportunity. All you need to know about him is that after he left the position of running NBC, he became a contributor to Fox Business. At MSNBC, Wright gave Oliver North his own show and Laura Ingram her own show. He had given a program to Alan Keyes, a Republican who somehow managed to lose Senate races in two different states and washed out three different times in Republican presidential primaries. His MSNBC show consisted of him giving speeches. Though he was alone in a studio with no audience, 
Alan Keyes could not break himself of his habit of spraying the room with his eyes. The viewer at home would see him looking off camera to his left, then looking at the camera, then looking off camera to the right. He went back and forth like a sprinkler. I remember once looking at him and yelling at the TV, Hey, Al, over here, I'm the one in the middle. Bob Wright also brought in Joe Scarborough, long before Scarborough knew how to disguise much of his fascism. Bob Wright fired Phil Donahue, although to be fair, that was really more about money than it was about politics. But he replaced Donahue's show with what was supposed to be a high-speed, slightly right-leaning newscast produced by a Fox News refugee. It was called Countdown with Sam Donaldson. And needless to say, the right-leaning idea went horribly, horribly wrong after they changed it to Countdown with Keith Olbermann. MSNBC's lineup was remarkably unstable at that time. I had hosted its 8 p.m. show from October 1st, 1997 through the beginning of December 1998, and then I left to go back to sports and baseball at Fox. Then the 8 p.m. hour was hosted by John Hockenberry for three months. Then Ollie North got his shot. A month later, they started having rotating liberals co-host with Ali North. In April 1999, it became North and Paul Begala. That was five shows in five months. In May, they cut North and Begala to half an hour. In June, they canceled them and replaced them with a half-hour Ann Curry documentary. In early 2000, Curry was expanded to an hour. But then in May, Curry was replaced by Lori Dew. In August 2000, they started their version of Dateline called MSNBC Investigates. In September, they cut that show to four days a week and launched a vanished white woman of the week show actually called Missing Persons with Diane Diamond, which they canceled after one episode. And then they put MSNBC Investigates back on. Then they canceled that a month later to make room for a newscast with Forrest Sawyer. Then after the uncertainty of the 2000 election, they refocused that as Decision 2000 with Forrest Sawyer. In January 2001, they canceled Forrest Sawyer and put MSNBC Investigates back on for the third different time. Then in July, they moved the news with Brian Williams from 9 p.m. to 8 p.m. Then the next September, they moved Brian to CNBC and instead launched Phil Donahue's show in the 8 p.m. MSNBC slot. Then in March 2003, they off Donahue. They started Countdown originally with Lester Holt, Pat Buchanan, and Bill Press. Then after the war started and there wasn't anything to count down to anymore, they hired me to host Operation Iraqi Freedom. And after one week of that show, they launched Countdown with Keith Olbermann. That's 20 different shows or formats in four years and four months. So Bob Wright's next primetime ideas, and you got to give him this much, he had a lot of primetime ideas, and virtually all of them made it onto TV. His next set of ideas was a primetime lineup of me doing the news at 8, then Scarborough at 9, then Jesse Ventura at 10, and then this Michael Savage character. They began this plot by giving Savage his own show an hour every Saturday afternoon on March 8, 2003. Everybody agreed it was crap. On radio... Savage sounded kind of threatening, I guess, a kind of red meat fascist, but on TV, taking calls from viewers in a tiny little cramped looking studio somewhere in the Bay Area, he looked small and whiny and kvetchy, and he was wearing a bad toupee and a suit that was far worse than that. 
When I was negotiating my return to MSNBC in 2003, I got the executive in charge of primetime to put it in my contract that Michael Savage would never appear on my newscast in any form unless it was an obituary. Open and shut. But then on Friday, April 25th, 2003, I came into work. We were about a month into the show. And there in the computer rundown of my newscast was a pre-recorded Michael Savage commentary. As soon as he saw I was in the office, the executive producer they had hired from Fox, a cross-eyed chain smoker named Dennis Murray, pushed his way into my office and said, we have to run a Michael Savage commentary. There's also a mandatory Matt Drudge soundbite. This is per Phil Griffin, so don't think you can call Phil to get it dropped. He's not in New York. He's not reachable. And he left. I called my agent. I told her the story, and I matter-of-factly asked, if they don't drop it, I have to walk out, don't I? Mind you, she had just exhausted herself negotiating my extremely unlikely return to MSNBC. She didn't flinch. Of course you have to walk out. But first, call Phil Griffin's office and tell him you're leaving. Give him a chance. It'll help when you sue them. It was breach of contract. I find dramatic, life-changing, and potentially costly stuff like that is usually way easier if you have the high moral ground. So I called Griffin's office. His assistant said he was in Washington in meetings and could not be reached. I said, well, you should reach somebody there. Tell them, I just called a car to take me home because my contract says you can't put Michael effing Savage on my newscast and somebody just did. Nice working with you all and tell Phil to give me a call sometime. Sometime was three minutes later. Griffin, who frequently panicked, outdid himself on this call. You, you would really walk out, buddy? I said it was in the contract. I was putting my pens and books in a box as we spoke. Uh, 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 uh. I told him he was repeating himself. Finally, he said, okay, uh, okay, uh, uh, okay, buddy. C can you just, can you look at the commentary and, and find me a reason, uh, a, a reason that isn't about politics, uh, why it shouldn't run? I said, you mean like video quality or racist language or something? Phil Griffin's voice brightened. Yeah, good, racist language or something. That'd be great. Call me back. The executive producer and I went to the video edit suite where a guy named Brendan Omelia was cutting out the time Savage had stumbled or flubbed while recording this nonsense. First of all, I said to the ex-Fox guy who was the producer, Michael Savage is wearing a brown shirt and a brown tie on top of his brown shirt. He is literally dressed like a Hitler brown shirt. The editor, Omelia, played the whole video for me, and as I dialed Phil Griffin's cell, I started laughing. I said, even for racist, homophobic crap, this thing makes no sense. He just keeps saying, George W. Bush is right because George W. Bush, because he's right. He looks small and whiny and convection. and he's got a bad toupee and a worse suit. We wouldn't run this as a soundbite in his obituary, and the lighting is terrible, and he's dressed as a brown shirt. Apparently, that was enough. Phil Griffin ordered the piece dropped from my show. I think... They ran it on Scarborough show at 9 p.m. In fact, I think I might be wrong. They ran two or three savage commentaries on Scarborough shows. I know they intended to. God knows I never watched Scarborough show. Happily, this was about the time Michael Savage ended his own TV career. On Saturday, July 5th, 2003, show 15 out of a series of checks notes, 15... Michael Savage was on the air live on MSNBC when a caller baited him about gays. Savage replied, quote, so you're one of them sodomists. Are you a sodomite? The caller said, yes. Oh, you're one of them sodomites. 
Continuing the quote, you should only get AIDS and die, you pig. How's that? Why don't you see if you can sue me, you pig? You got nothing better to put me down, you piece of garbage. You have nothing better to do today. Go eat a sausage and choke on it. Get trichinosis. End quote. End Michael Savage. And by the way, that quote that I just read, that was way better than the commentary they had had him record for Countdown. Two days later on Monday, Eric Sorensen, the president of MSNBC, and he was president of all the boring things Bob Wright didn't want to be bothered with at MSNBC, Eric Sorensen fired Michael Savage. Sorensen, for whom I worked in Los Angeles in local news and who consulted on my show on current TV as recently as 2011, took me for a drink because he needed to tell somebody what happened next after he fired Michael Savage. As soon as the Savage firing was announced, Sorensen said, the phone rang in his office and it was Bob Wright, the chairman of NBC. Did you have to fire him, Eric? Wright asked in his nasal Long Island accent. And Sorensen said, he answered, yes, I literally had to. I had to fire him. Remember the clause in his contract? There are 40 phrases he's not allowed to use on the show. It literally says if you say any of the following 40 things, you will be automatically fired for cause and get no money. Remember? Remember what number four on that list is? Number four is, quote, I hope you get AIDS and die, unquote. And then he said, I hope you get AIDS and die. Bob, I literally had to fire him. I had to fire him. It's in the contract. Eric Sorensen told me there was a long pause on the other end of the phone. And then Bob Wright said, in anticipation of all that we have seen in television news since, all the meetings about what happens if the country goes fully fascist and NBC and CNN and CBS and ABC all want to protect their profits and do the devil's work. Bob Wright said after a long pause to Eric Sorensen, who had just fired Michael Savage because it was in the contract, Bob Wright said softly and sadly, but Eric, did you have to fire him? I've done all the damage I can do here. Here are the credits. Most of the music arranged, produced, and performed by Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel. They are the Countdown Musical Directors. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel. Guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray. Produced by TKO Brothers. Other Beethoven selections have been arranged and performed by No Horns Allowed. The sports music, whenever we actually do sports again, is the Olderman theme from ESPN2, and it was written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc., Musical comments from Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer was my friend Stevie Van Zant. Everything else was pretty much my fault. So that's Countdown for this, the 862nd day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Don't forget to keep arresting him while we still can. The next scheduled Countdown is tomorrow. Until then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.